Welcome once again to Oakwood Connect. This is Pastor Ariel along with John uh, Trombley, and we are on the last beatitude Blessed are the persecuted. All right, John, we got a, a quite a warm, fuzzy beatitude to look at today. Ah, uh, yes. Just like the rest of them. I <laughs> know, <laughs> hungering, thirsting, mourning. Uh, Jesus has an intriguing way of explaining the path of happiness, you know, and he ends, I mean, the whole thing has been just one unexpected statement, one after the other. And of course, it's brilliant. Jesus is speaking quite accurately uh, as to what entails a blessed, happy life. Uh, but we end in a very unexpected place. Jesus says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. So, persecution. Yeah, you know when, as you you know as you just mentioned, we we've gone through this list, and it's you know the poor in spirit, those who mourn, and 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 you know now we end it with those who are persecuted, and you know it really it gets me to think. Well, do I really want to live a life of persecution? Mm. Um, so, why? Why do I want to live this type of life? You know, this is the thought that I have to have. You know, it, when I read this, you know, we, especially knowing the state of the dead like we know, uh, what's what's the point? This isn't a fear type of thing. God's asking for us to be persecuted, and I'm I don't want to. You know, I don't want to be persecuted. So, you know, what's what's the point? Why should I be persecuted? Why why make these stands that Christianity makes? I think sometimes we have to look back and say, why? Why why do I have to make this especially if we're talking to somebody who isn't in the church. They have to ask us this question, why bother? Yeah, come join us because then you can experience this, exactly. uh, right. it's a exciting experience called persecution. You know, you pose the question uh, to prepare us for this discussion, this dialogue. And one of the thoughts that I had was, well, you're going to get persecuted anyways. Mm. Because even before my conversion, um, there's persecution of all sorts of sometimes meaningless, foolish things. Like I, I got persecuted for not wearing Pumas mm -hmm. uh, or shelled up Adidas. This is back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, I got persecuted for speaking with an accent. I got persecuted because I was not... Puerto Rican or because of this um, and I've seen people get persecuted because they were poor and their clothes or their hair mm -hmm. you know people got persecuted because of their hair you know right. I, praise the Lord that I don't have to worry about <laughs> that kind of persecution <laughs> um, so I started to think hold up did the wealthy get persecuted mm -hmm. I was telling with you right now in the news uh, Qualcomm this company that makes chips for phones is in court battles with Apple and there's just constant competition between, you know, right now cell phones are the hot items. And so it's a doggy-eat-dog world out there. We call it competition. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the raw definition, the raw behaviors of these companies, it's persecution. Uh, here's someone that is a threat to me, so I'm going to try to attack that person through legal battles, legal injunctions, or whatever, or buyouts. You know, I'll just buy the company. Mm -hmm. And so persecution will be experienced regardless. Rome did not just persecute Christians. Rome persecuted anyone that stood in its way of world dominance. Right, right. So when you pose that question to me, is it's not really do you want to get persecuted, but what do you want to get persecuted mm. for? You know, it's a great point. It's something that uh, 
we see constantly turn on the news and somebody feels offended somebody has <laughs> yeah. been oh yeah, per- yeah persecuted right and so it's a great point you know it, uh, we live in a world that it it always baffles me actually especially you know here in in america where um everybody's been put down uh we all feel persecuted we all everybody feels persecuted that's why it's so easy it's like sh- shooting fish in a barrel uh you know when you when people feel these these things and it keeps us so separated and and everything um everybody wants it it seems like anyway to me everybody wants to tell everybody else i've had the worst life growing up my my uh journey was way harder than your journey and meanwhile you know we live in a in, in a an area where i don't know if we these things aren't that bad type of thing you know what i mean um so it's like every, do we even know what persecution looks exactly, like exactly that's what i'm trying to say we really don't even understand persecution or understand hardships um we're we're the same age uh pretty we're pretty close to the same age and i got to be we don't really we don't understand persecution. Like, let's say those who I'm reading a, a World War II book, those guys understood persecution. Yeah. <laughs> when you lay in a foxhole for four days straight with no food or anything, and because if you put your head up, you know, you're going to get shot, you have frostbite feet, feet, and that's still better. We really don't understand these hardships. Yeah. And so, so again, as a, as a uh, Gen Xer, when I hear persecuted i don't want to be bothered with that i I don't want to be persecuted so like you said what are we going to be persecuted for i think that is the better um question why because you're right we are going to be persecuted so why or for what are we going to be persecuted i guess that that presents to us now a question uh, of choice Mm -hmm. i mean you and i dialogued about this and you said you know persecution it lays bare the idea of this teaching the great controversy mm. and so what what would i want to get persecuted over um you could choose the path of persecution of you know financial persecution political persecution world war ii had really nothing about religious or righteousness because we're going to get into this you know jesus doesn't simply say blessed are you when you are persecuted He's very specific. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, blessed are you when you are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Right. Mm-hmm. So he, he doesn't leave it wide open so that you can go kicking people around and when they punch you, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, that that's not. Jesus is, like I said, brilliant. And what he is describing here, John, I believe is the ultimate persecution. Right. Because, yeah, you'll get persecuted because of your hairstyle. But once you hit, get your hair unique like everybody else, <laughs> you know, looking like, just like everybody else, unique and original, uh, the persecution ceases. Mm-hmm. Once you are able to make enough, and I think that was the driving force in the neighborhood that I grew up with for drugs, for selling drugs. It was a persecution of you're going to get labeled as poor, your clothing, you need to wear, you know, big fat gold chains. And you're not going to get that by working, you know, for minimum wage. Mm-hmm. So the driving force behind drug dealing in my neighborhood was persecution, being bullied verbally, being ostracized. All those things fall under the category of persecution. So, but once you got got it, you know, or once you graduated high school, mm-hmm. <laughs> whichever came first, the moment you graduated high school, it was a big reality check. And all the kids that got bullied, all the nerds went off to college, make money. And 
you know, for me, it was like a, a joke. Like the the person that the the, the last person laughing uh, laughed the loudest. Mm-hmm. The persecution ceased. So once you meet the artificial, superficial standards of the world, most of the persecution ceases. Mm-hmm. And or if you have enough power and weapons, the persecution ceases. So you are able to, in your own uh, capacities, deal with these persecutions because they're all shallow. They're all superficial anyways. It's all about the veneer. Jesus presents a persecution that, at least from my uh, experience and from reading the scriptures, I would label it as the true persecution. Right. Because we do have, <clears throat> excuse me, in First John we are told that the God of this earth, Jesus calls him the prince of this world. Uh, Paul calls it the, the spiritual powers of darkness of the air. There is an ultimate power guiding this world. Mm-hmm. And righteousness is really what I, makes it irate because righteousness is the solution for sin. Mm-hmm. Righteousness is what we get from Jesus as a gift and it undoes the entire effect of sin and the power of darkness and the lies of Satan he completely undoes that, and that's what he hates. So the persecution for righteousness' sake is a very unique kind of persecution, different from the superficial ones that we that we kind of touched on before. You're absolutely right. So once again, as as I'm making this decision to be persecuted, um, that Jesus is asking for, you know, once again, I. Uh, I never grew up. I'm that three-year-old that asked, why, 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 right? I never grew up. I still ask that. Why should I be persecuted? Or again, why would I want to be for for righteousness sake? And, and you're right. I mean, we have to, we have to, we have to try to figure this out when we're being persecuted uh, for righteousness sake. Well, again, why? And the conclusion that I came to, the, the thought that I came to was, um, first John chapter four, kind of starts at uh, verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And that's that, that's that one sentence I have to keep reminding myself of. God is love. You know, this whole world is looking for love, but I think it's a country song, but they're looking in all the wrong places, right? <laughs> God is that love. He is that definition of it. It's not our definition of it. And so it goes back. And then as you read First John, the same chapter, and then verse 19, it says, we love him because he loved us first. Mm. And that is our motivating factor. It is so simple sounding. And it almost sounds selfish in a way, because I've read this in the past and went, well, that's a weird reason to love somebody because they loved you first. Congratulations. But it really does matter because God is this definition of love. He is what love is. So we, our response to him should be we want to follow you know, him. It's, it's powerful that you said that because <clears throat> it is true. I mean, when I, when I read that, I didn't move me. Right. Um, because... We think we, we, I mean, at least for me, when I read that, <clears throat> I, I, I read it this way We love him because he tells us he loves us. Mm. But that's not what the verse says. It says, We love him because he first loved us. And it is not until we understand how it is that we know that God has loved us that we don't understand his love. Jesus says, No greater love has anyone than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Mm. I have called you friends. What does it mean that God laid down his life? 
the reason I that verse didn't move me because it was because I was ignorant of the sacrifice exactly. that God had gone through right. mm-hmm. to show me His love. Um, you know, I dated through my unconverted years, and I began to discover that the older I got, there was this tension of credibility between men and women. Um, I was speaking in a secular, strictly secular sense. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, the, in the environment that I moved in, the guys would look at the women in lustful ways. You know, I, the goal was not to fall in love. The goal was to have sex. The girls knew this, but the women kind of wanted something more committed. Mm-hmm. So there was this balancing of, is he really wanting a committed life with me? Or does he just want to have sex with me? So the girls would try to weed out the false ones and you would still get these false guys that knew how to say I love you mm-hmm. you're the only one for me <laughs> so for me I, I grew up in, in the movies you would see that as well that to say that I love you is the easiest lie you could ever say to anyone mm-hmm. so when I would write, read that verse I love him because he first loved me I would immediately attach that because he says he loves me mm. but how do I know he loves me Right, right. so Jesus becomes the answer as to does God really love me? And it is understanding his life and understanding his life through the scriptures that begins to open to my mind how little, I hardly, not little, I knew nothing of love to begin with because love is self-sacrificing. When I read the definition of what love is, the Holy Spirit drove those words, you know, love is patient, love is kind, love does not boast, love is not puffed up, um, love does not seek its own. You begin to realize, um, I'm not a loving person. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not just that I don't know love. I can't love. Mm-hmm. So this idea of being persecuted, I love how you, the Lord has led you to boil it down to that one core element, which is love. The reason I choose to love God, um, even if it entails persecution, is because he first loved me. Right. In 2 Timothy 3.12, I share that verse with you. Mm-hmm. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So Paul takes what Jesus says and puts it in a in a more concise way. Because Jesus doesn't say, <clears throat> who wants to be persecuted? Right. And, and raise your hand right now, anyone wants to get persecuted? Um, what Jesus does say is, who wants righteousness? Right. Who wants my righteousness in exchange for your sins? When that happens and you experience it, you love me. You love me more than anything and anyone you have ever loved. Right. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your with everything about you. Because that's what Paul says. If anyone wants to desire, if you desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, well that desire is is provoked by love. Mm-hmm. Because he first loved me, now I'm compelled to reciprocate that love. And that it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. For some people, that experience has been overnight. Not for me. Um, it has been a gradual one. Maybe because I grew up in the church and mm-hmm. I heard this so many times, it became white noise until it became true spoken words. That the word of God speaking to my heart, trying to reveal to me, God seeking to reveal to me how much He loved me. And now comes the the real experience. Paul right. says. If anyone desires to live a godly life, he doesn't say he might, or he, there's a high probability you'll suffer persecution, is you will right. suffer persecution. Mm-hmm. So we have a, um, with this love, we now have a purpose. 
Mm-hmm. We now have something to be persecuted for. We now have something, you know, the the world would say, now we have something to fight for, right? We do have uh, some, uh, we have something to be persecuted for. Because again, if if it isn't real to you, like, you, you know, you're just expressing, then you're not going to be persecuted. You're not going to want to be persecuted. And there's no need to persecute you either. Let me ask you a question, John, because <clears throat> we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. So, can I conclude that if I am a Christian um, and I am being persecuted, then I must be on the right path? Is persecution the litmus test as to whether my Christian experience is a legit one? But I, so that's a that's a loaded question because <laughs> I am of the opinion that I think sometimes people read this verse, this persecuted verse, and then they go out and search to be persecuted, <laughs> like you know. Um, I think of like the the street corner evangelist, right? Now, if you want to spread the word, that's fine, and and you know you want to spread it to strangers, that's that's one thing. But I'm talking about the guy that sits there and yells from the street corner. You're going to hell. Yeah, you're going to hell, and you have to. You know, I can't tell you how many people have been converted by that, right? I don't think anybody. It makes everybody uncomfortable. There are people, those who weren't coming for the message, they're appalled. Most Christians are appalled by them too. So there's really, that's not persecution. That's going out and looking for a problem, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, I think. I feel the same caution. Because we don't want to leave people with the idea that, you know, Paul says, if you live a Christian life, uh, a godly life in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. Um, just because someone is being quote unquote persecuted does not mean that they are on the right path. Here in our own church at Oakwood, uh, you as an elder, myself as a pastor, other elders, we've had to deal with these groups of individuals that mm. come and picket outside our church with signs that says, you know, your pastor is lying to you or your church is lying to you. And they'll usually come, you know, during like Easter holidays or Valentine's Day or things mm-hmm. like that. And you know, we're left with this almost like a great controversy a model of right. if we attack them, then we justify their claims that, oh, look, they're, they're attacking us because they're wrong or we're pointing out their wrongs. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do anything, then whatever lies, because they do have uh, things that they're teaching, you know, that are way off, um, then we, we are not being responsible leadership. You know, we are to care for the flock of God. We need to filter out things that will hurt, spiritually hurt our church. Mm-hmm. So it's a difficult path. And I remember with Pastor Conway, one of the pastors in our district, because they do um, visit us. Right. Yeah, they go all around. Circuit. Right. Uh, one cold winter Sabbath, they were outside, you know, with signs that said, um, <clears throat> your pastor's lying to you. And during potluck, Pastor Conway said, here, take some hot chocolate, take some hot food. They must be cold. Mm-hmm. Tell them that if they're cold, they're welcome to come inside. They don't have to, you know, fellowship with us because we don't want to contaminate their spirituality <clears throat> but they're welcome to come in here and warm up and then they can go back out mm-hmm. you know what happened they left they, right. they got convicted here we are you know saying all these evil things about them um so everything we've blamed them on has just been undone by this hot cup of chocolate and this warm plate of food and an invitation you must be cold mm-hmm. please come inside right um there is a persecution that is false and Satan will love for us to realize, to think that if I'm an obnoxious Christian 
and people avoid me or begin to grumble, somehow I'm, I'm fulfilling the words of Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, eh, blessed are the obnoxious. Right. Jesus says, blessed are those that are have experienced righteousness. Amen. You know, you make me think of a story that, uh, uh, you know, e- again, even in our own church, we have to be careful with these things. Um, the, a Bible worker going up front and and just being so happy because he's because th- they were thinking of this verse. You know, um, they knocked on a door and and the door got slammed on them. Uh, because of what they were saying well it wasn't and they were just so proud you know oh we they were uh we were persecuted i mean they weren't saying that but that's ultimately what they were saying and and like you said uh no it wasn't the message you're obnoxious (laughs) that's why the door got slammed on you it wasn't because you were glorifying god it was because you were trying to glorify self and i think you know that's the problem that we have when it comes to these um, big thoughts of persecution that we that we have because you know as we were talking earlier i think the thing to remember we've we've already said it without saying it the persecution comes from satan you know that's the where the persecution comes from and i think again we're looking for these big uh, moments of persecution but really what it is it's the everyday persecution that we that we're really being uh persecuted with it is those you know uh again it comes from satan he doesn't have to use somebody to persecute you even though he does he does do that as well um so we need to put the blame where that belongs um but he can persecute us in our house by ourselves is ultimately uh if you're trying to be righteous if you're you know for righteousness sake that can happen in your own home no the, the point that you made with this Bible worker and the door being slammed in his face, you could have that experience and one is being done because of obnoxious approach, but another one could also be done because of Con- Christ-centered right. approach. And I think that's, I think, a point we need to... Yeah, uh, sorry about that. Yeah, no, 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 yeah no. that individual, it was that individual. You're right. So, yeah. so, because when Paul says that, and anyone that wants to live a godly life... In Christ Jesus mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the things that you and I talked about is the litmus test just persecution no it's persecution when I lift up Christ right it's persecution and when I do it in love um, when my focus is Jesus the, the, the people that come pick it their focus is how wrong the pastor is right um, the experiences that you and I shared you know is, we're all external things it's never the matters of the heart mm-hmm. and it's never a matter that leads people to an experience experience of seeing Christ, falling in love with Christ. The, the false, if you want to call it that, persecution from that Christian's experience um, does not legitimize their path. Are you lifting up Jesus Christ? Is Jesus Christ part of your experience? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the people that would pick it, um, Pastor Conway approached them in love. And as this person began to barrage him, you know, about the apostasies and all these things, he simply asked one question to this lady, where's your husband? You're here in the cold with your children. Where's your husband? And there was dead silence. Mm. And then he asked, how's your marriage? Mm. Sometimes individuals um, have hurts, have hurts because of abuse, mm. and struggle with self-esteem and all those things. And they discovered that in the Gospels, or through the Gospels, now they have a voice, like you said, you know, now I have something to, 
yell at people of war. You know, right. I've been yelled at all my life. Now I have something to make other people feel like you know they're wrong, um, and that's not really the persecution that Christ is saying will happen because of him. Um, those are persecutions that we brought, bring upon ourselves, mm-hmm. and it's tragic because it's not just that I'm being harmed. I may even suffer legal uh, occur, uh, repercussions from my poor choices, but Jesus, the cause of Christ, is harmed by it. So we we have this reality. We will be persecuted for living for Christ, but I can also create this false kind of persecution. And ultimately, the question is. Has your focus been Christ? Mm-hmm. Has that been, you know, the Bible worker that, I mean, I was, I did Bible work and doors were not necessarily bam, slam, but people did say, you know, I'm not interested. No, thank you. Or get out or I'm calling the police. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not walk away from that house saying, ha, you know, right, exactly. yeah, I'll, I'll see you at the millennium. <laughs> you know, um, I left with a heavy heart saying, Lord, could you please touch that heart? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want me to knock again in a week, I'll do it. Right. I, I left. You know, like Jesus felt that when people rejected him, it hurt him. When the rich young ruler walked away from Jesus, Mark, the Gospel of Mark says that Jesus was not rejoicing like, "Ha, you know, you'll regret this." He's, the Bible says that Jesus loved him. Mm-hmm. He loved this man. He yearned for him. That I think is my own personal witness. That should I feel experience persecution, how I'm relating to the people persecuting me tells a lot about what's motivating my sharing Jesus. Mm-hmm. If I'm of the obnoxious kind that people reject me, I will have that immature joy of, ha! Ah. Right. But if Christ is in my heart and people reject me, I will not take it personal. Mm-hmm. I will realize they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting Jesus. And that will bring sadness to my heart. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, there was an Australian young man that came to the U.S. to do um, literature evangelism for the summer. And uh, I was the youth leader, and I was happy to have all these youth now. We could play volleyball. We had, you know, multiple teams. Uh, <laughs> very righteous reason. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that was before my conversion. <clears throat> and so this Australian kid comes, and he has a heavy heart. You know, we're thinking he, he didn't sell a book. And he had a good day as far as sales were concerned, but one person, he said, this one individual um, expressed a desire for God, but never made the choice. And he actually hardened himself and pulled away. Mm. And as he's telling us this story, tears began to flow down his eyes. And he said, you know, I just feel compelled, convicted that I need to pray for that individual right now. And in front of all these kids watching, he just bent his knees, bent his knees and bowed and began to plead with tears for this man that had closed the door to him. He realized he didn't close the door to me. Mm-hmm. He closed the door to a savior that loves him and his eternal destiny hangs on the balance. That's righteousness. Right. Amen. That's righteousness. Mm-hmm. So for me, is, is, is that what motivates me? It helps me to not get sidetracked with the false things that Satan has as counterfeits to this experience. You know, when I hear you, uh, what I'm hearing is, or what it's making me think that, you know, sometimes we, when we, when we think of this persecution thing, when we go to, um, to share, uh, what's our, what's our thought going into it? You know, sometimes we, when we're, uh, almost ready for a battle, if you will. <laughs> I think we might be in the wrong spot. But when we are just being witnesses, when yeah. we are just being a Christian, when we're just doing what we're doing, we're at work and we're we're still being a witness, 
because we're just being who we are. And I think that's the difference, right? Because I think sometimes we try to, uh, okay, now I got to turn it on. Now I've got to be um, the Christian. Whereas bef- if you're just living it, you're being a witness. Yeah. And when you get persecuted, then when you're not even expecting it, I think that's the right persecution. And then what do you do with it? Like what you were just talking about, what, what's your, uh, how do you react to it and all of those things. Um, I think that's the difference that we're looking for here. Which, which I mean, tails right into what you said earlier, right? What day of the, my life can I expect to not get persecuted? Right. Mm-hmm. Because at, in the end, um, Satan knows that <clears throat> if he can get me my thoughts, I will be grumpy at work. Mm-hmm. I might get, you know, career driven or whatever. Things may happen inside my thoughts, um, the gossiping and all those, you know, superficial things that happen with, with humans. Um, if I can get caught up in those things, then what's good is my witness. Right. Here's a glow track. <laughs> you right. know, after I've gossiped about you or I've gossiped to you about another coworker, but here's a little witnessing, mm-hmm. you know, for you. Um, those things get, it's a contradiction. Right. Um, you and I get persecuted, John, on a daily basis, even if we were isolated. I love that point that you made mm-hmm. because ultimately the, 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 the prince the one that was the prince of this earth has been cast down and he knows that he has a little bit of time that's what the book of revelation says um so as we look at this beatitude um we have two elements righteousness and persecution and jesus is mentioning persecution not as something that we should say yay Mm -hmm. but rather as something that this is the reality of where you live expect it expect it (laughs) expect it don't be shocked don't be surprised but that's not you should not make the persecution the goal is righteousness right right. focus on the righteousness and when the persecution comes like he told his disciples don't worry about what you're going to say if you're living day by day connected with me and you get you you experience persecution at your job at that moment you will be given wisdom that's not yours right words that are not yours to leave a testimony for them. Mm-hmm. And and that's really the, the goal of a, of a righteous person, to bring others to a personal knowledge of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, earlier you said something <clears throat> that I was churning in my head. We kind of, you know, my story is worse than your story. Right. You know, I've been persecuted in ways that you don't have no idea. Mm-hmm. That for me is, as a Christian, I don't know Jesus if I say that. Right. Because the the comfort for the Christian, the comfort that comes from these words is Jesus is not saying you. If if we are going to get persecuted for righteousness sakes, what was his experience when he was the source of that righteousness? Right. Mm-hmm. Will any human ever be more persecuted in worse ways, more intense ways than Christ? No. Mm-mm. So if, if I'm comparing myself with other human beings, <laughs> I'll either become boastful or terrified. Man, I don't want to go through that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So-and-so lost his job because of the Sabbath. I'm, I'm going to compromise. Right. I got bills to pay. God understands. So once we take our eyes off of Christ, persecution will be our demise. Mm-hmm. And it will be the deterrent for our faithfulness or it will be a false way of, of affirming that somehow because I'm being persecuted, I'm legit. Both of those paths are false is love Mm -hmm. because i love jesus whether i suffer it or not i'm going to be faithful to him 
because he was persecuted for me. Amen. And I think I think there's another option too. Whereas we, when we feel that persecution, we can very easily just turn that into anger and hatred, mm-hmm. and yeah. and therefore I'm not going to share the gospel because there's no point. Because these, um, you know. I hate this person, this person, this person, this person. I mean, that's a, that's a reality. I mean, look at the look at the society that we live in, right? There's out of one side of the mouth is preached this uh, this false uh, love and accept everybody, but on the other side of the mouth is, but that person has persecuted me, so therefore I hate them. Mm-hmm. You know, so we we really do have these two things living in us um if we're not careful if we don't have christ uh that i am angry at this person this uh group of people because they have you know oppressed me or you know these types of things well how can you have how can you be thriving for righteousness how can you want to to share the gospel with somebody that you have a hate for and this we're I feel anyway when this time of of Earth's history, we're so motivated by our anger, we're so motivated by hatred that how can we put the gospel in that? So we have to let go of all that stuff. We really do, and they're not per, they're not the persecuting one. It is the it is Satan who's persecuting you. He might be using vessels, but you you know put the blame where it belongs because otherwise you can't. Do that just helped me put that much more depth into the statement of Jesus when he says, pray for those that persecute you. Right. Amen. Because they are being pawns. Mm-hmm. And they don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Jesus prayed for those that were crucifying him. You know, Jesus prayed for those that were most atta- most antagonistic towards right. him with agonizing tears that they would be set free from their delusion. Like Saul. Mm-hmm. Saul was for sure thinking, I'm doing God's work in persecuting uh, the church um, until his conversion. Right. And then he got to understand what persecution for Jesus is really about. And it didn't bother him. I mean, I'm sure he wasn't happy to be getting 40 <laughs> lashes minus one. It is, it's never a pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> when you have love, love <clears throat> excuse me, love allows us to endure that which without that love, we would automatically draw back and never, never choose to go down that path. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure... John, how your your final thoughts in regarding this idea of being persecuted, um, any final thoughts that you may have had in regards to that? So, uh, first of all, the, the, our, our purpose or our reason that we would want to be persecuted, and and it's a it's a heavy road to go down. We could do multiple studies <laughs> on it, but yes. that you know, our it's our desire to be with God ultimately, and how. How do we express that we want to be with God? We do share that love with others. We we have to exercise that love with everyone else, right? Um, even those that persecute us. Even those who persecute us because we can't exercise it with him necessarily. So that's why he set it up this way. Uh, we have to um, exercise it with each other. So maybe, maybe you know, that you, once you said that, it dawned on me. Maybe that's what makes that love supernatural and unique and believable because jesus says if you love those that love you pagans do that all day day long Mm -hmm. but if the world could see that you truly love your enemies that you truly love those that are being that are persecuting you 
their eyes will be open to something in a tangible way that is only abstract. Amen. You know? mm-hmm. So loving our enemies could be the most evangelistic thing anyone could do. Right. And it's without God, it's impossible. Mm. It is, like you said, it's supernatural. It is miraculous because without God, again, what's the point? Why it's, do it? It's natural for me to hate those that badmouth me. Right. It's, it's so natural, even after conversion. So for me, it's like, you never think of evangelism in the terms of if I love my my neighbor, if I, if I show love to the people that are persecuting me, that becomes a testimony that mm-hmm. I'm not doing this on my own. Right. I'm just like you. Um, what What is empowering me to show love to you is a supernatural divine miracle is the grace of God working in me. And, and a whole nother show once again, <laughs> but that is what brings the persecution. Imagine that. It's 